gardening advice with MacD's Garden Centre in Galway Irish Crystal with everything from plants, shrubs, pots, garden furniture and much, much more. If you love gardening, you'll love MacD's. It's just fan Debbie dozy And Emma McEwen joins us on the line. And morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Um, condolences on, on the death of your mother. I know we were talking since, but we I just were, wanted thank to... You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's... Not she, at all. I know it's a hard time. She's yeah. in a good place. Amazing. Our two mothers went within weeks of each other, months of each other. Yeah, I know. Such yeah. is life, but sure, look, they had a good life. Listen to me, I'm just looking at questions here today, and we have somebody mm-hmm. who wants to know about crocuses, and yeah. they're, co- they're coming up in the lawn. Should I leave them be, or should I trim them? Oh, leave them be, leave them be, so that they'll die down and replenish the bulb and come back next year. Don't go cutting the grass or anything over them at the moment. Let the foliage die down, let them die back down into themselves before you go at them at all. Leave them be. Plenty of time now for cutting the lawn and enjoy the bulbs while they're in flower. And come here to me uh, with somebody else. They have they have a, a load of packets of cornflower seeds and they don't know mm-hmm. what to do with them. Oh, so them. Cornflower seed is, uh, cornflower is, is, is a beautiful plant. Um, you can sow them anytime from now on. What I would probably do if I were you is to, if I'd seen that you have a good bit of it, is divide it into portions and maybe sow some now, some more in three weeks and some more in three weeks. Uh, you'll end up with loads of plants, so be prepared for a little bit of, of, of transplanting and potting up. Uh, but eventually you can plant them around the garden. I don't know whether they're annual cornflower or perennial cornflower. By that I mean annual only lasts for the summer or for the one year. Perennial cornflower will come back year in, year out. So you check that on the packet. Um, you may find that you want to plant more of one type than the other. And you can always give them away to friends and neighbours as well. So, I mean, they're, they're a lovely plant and well worth having. So do you dig a hole in the ground and just pop them into it? No, it? oh no, no, no you no. don't. What you do is better off to sow them in seed trays. So get a, a, get a tray, a, put a little pa- a, a thin dressing of compost at the very bottom of the tray and then fill it up with a mixture of peat moss and sand firm it down well, water it and sow your seed into that and then you could cover it with a bit of cling film or a sheet of glass if you have a bit of old broken glass from the greenhouse or anything like that and put it over it and when you see them germinate when you see the little green tips come through the the compost take the glass off them or the the, um, cling film off them and then eventually you um, they'll come up into small little plants and you can transfer them on. But starting them in seed trays is, is your better bet. Okay, they're back to me. How many seeds in each pot? Oh, sprinkle them very conserv- conservatively, very thinly. Don't go too thick because you'll have an awful lot of transplanting and the thicker you sow the seed, um, the, um, the harder it is to transplant them. So uh, fairly sparsely throughout the, the containers. All right. Um, and I'm just wondering, can I prune apple trees and blackcurrant and, and blueberry trees and raspberry trees now because I'm afraid of the nesting season? Can I do it now? Do it immediately. Immediately, um, in the next couple of days, for two reasons: nesting, yes, even though the birds wouldn't be nesting it probably in the blackcurrants or in the in the raspberries or anything like that. But aside from that, if you leave it too much longer, you'll be leaving it too late. They'll be coming into foliage, and you'll be leaving it too late into the season. So uh, get at it immediately. But yes, you can do it now. Can I plant garlic at this stage of the month? 
You can plant garlic now. We had this question, I think, from another listener last week. Yes, you can plant garlic now. Ideally, September is the time for planting it, but you can still plant it now. No problem. No problem. And will that give you the the garlic bulbs that you buy in the supermarket? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good on them. Good on them. And um, can I start sowing um, seeds into drills or can I sow root crop such as parsnip, carrots, beef, uh, beet, radish and turnips directly into the soil now? You can, but I wait until after next week is over. Just give it another few days because there's a, a cold snap forecast and the soil will be extremely cold and the seed might get burnt in it. So, I mean, look, you could be leaving it and leaving it and leaving it and you be you could be getting one cold snap after another and you could leave it too long. But just give it a, another few days, uh, another week, and then, yes, you can sow them. And divide your quantity of seed in into portions as well. Don't sow all the seed in one go. Sow some of the carrots now, some of them again in three weeks, some of the beetroots now some of them again in three weeks because they'll otherwise they'll all come in at the one time and really there's only so many carrots and so many parsnips uh, or whatever anybody can eat at any given time i know you can store them but um if you divide up the seeds you'll have a little bit of continuity of supply and is a large pop pop poplar poplar hedge uh, exempt uh, from being trimmed now well, as far as I know, nothing should be cut from now on according to the, the um, rules, uh, the environmental rules because of bird nesting. So I would be inclined to think that they wouldn't be exempt because um, they're fine big trees and the birds would be nesting in them. Uh, I'm moving into a new home shortly and I have an east-facing garden and mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what would I put into my border or uh, has Anne any ideas? Okay, well, I mean, you can go for, uh, it depends on the border um, and how wide it is and so on, but you could, go, what I would go for is a combination of low-growing shrubs, things like dwarf hebes, sarcococca, dwarf euonymus, um, potentillas, lavenders, all the dwarf plants, plus a mixture of herbaceous plants, which are the cottage flowers, that die down in the winter and reappear again of their own accord in the springtime. Things like Alstroemeria, a thing called Anthemus. Um, I know I'm rattling off names for you now, but what I want you to think about is a mixed border of shrubs, low-growing shrubs, and um, some perennials, so some herbaceous perennial plants as well. So what I think you should do is go to the garden centre with those two things in mind, dwarf shrubs and perennials, and ask them to show you around and show you what's what, and plant the perennials in clusters of three, in groups of three, and maybe the shrubs in ones. It all depends on how big the border is. I'm I'm just talking blind here. I'm not sure how big the border is or how wide it is. But probably the shrubs could be planted individually and the herbaceous perennials, the cottage flowers, for the want of a better word, can be planted in clusters of three. And then you'll have a nice mixed border coming and going at different times of the year. Because the east border gets quite a little bit of sun. What you will be avoiding will be things like camellias if you're going for tall shrubs avoid camellias avoid rhododendrons i don't know what kind of soil you have it mightn't be suited to them anyway but besides that 
um, camellias do not like east facing. They don't like the sun on their buds in the okay. morning or because if it freezes afterwards, the buds only burn. So um, bear that in mind. But if, it, if it's quite a large border and it's out in the open, you might get away with some taller or medium-sized shrubs in it. But if it's quite near the house or quite near the path, you may need smaller shrubs. Okay. So I, I know this is kind of a vague answer, but without having the specifics, it's very hard to be more exact. I would love to plant clematis mm -hmm. uh, over a large rock and a squared off area uh, covered with chippings. I have several clematis in mind, uh, but I would like a strong growth and uh, one that blooms twice a year. <coughs> the best clematis twice a year is dodgy in that sometimes clematis, depending on the season, will flower once, twice, maybe even miracle-wise three times, but that all depends on the season. By their nature, they generally flower once. The strongest clematis or clematis that you can get is the Montana, clematis Montana. It is very vigorous. It grows without getting disease, whereas some of the other clematis do get disease and they get a thing called dieback and they, and they literally, as the name suggests, dieback and they don't thrive, whereas um, the Montanas, they're pretty disease resistant and they're very vigorous and you get them in pinks and whites. And they're lovely over a rock, up over an archway, over a gateway, over a wall, or hanging down over a bank. They can crawl downwards just as well as upwards. All right. And uh, can you name a dwarf shrub with flowers? Plenty of them. Um, the dwarf hebe, again, I keep mentioning them, but there's so many hebes, H-E-B-E. There are so many of them with different colour flowers. There's a nice one called hebe Lady Anne. Hebe strawberries and strawberries and cream, Hebe's rhubarb and custard. You won't know whether to go to the restaurant now or, or, or the garden centre with the names I'm calling out. But some of the dwarf hebe's lavender is nice. The curry plant can be quite nice, but gets a bit woody looking at times. Potentilla is a lovely low-growing plant. So hopefully there's a few names there that you can Google okay. and or, or look up in an encyclopedia and get uh, an idea of what you like. And finally, can I plant onions in grow bags and dahlias in pots now? You can. The onions, yes, for sure. Um, the dahlias, I would leave for another week or so. Plant them in pots. Keep them indoors until they sprout. Don't plant them outdoors until they've started to show sprouts. You're talking about May for planting them outdoors. All right, Anne, listen, thanks for joining us again. Can I just mention well, an yeah. announcement or how Please was the do, time? Yeah. Go on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just the, the, to mention that the Banlasloe Flower and Garden Club are having a flower uh, arranging demonstration. It's been given by Diane Gallagher. It's in Galan's Hotel in Banlasloe on Wednesday, the 8th of March, Wednesday, the 8th of March. So that's a, fl um, a flower, flower arranging demonstration by Diane Gallagher, courtesy of the Banlasloe Flower and Garden Club in Galan's Hotel, Wednesday, the 8th of March at 8 o'clock. All right, thank you for joining us uh, today. On no the problem at all. And Galway Bay FM, Sandy Road and Galway is where you can send the letters. Gardening advice with Mac D's, Luck Ray and at Galway Irish Crystal. Shop online and have your veg seed and seed potatoes, garden tools and hoses, garden furniture and barbecues delivered direct to your door. MacDees.ie. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. You're coming in the conversation. Should we weren't going to turn on the light at all altogether? I'm joined uh, by father and son team, uh, Marcin Og McDonough, 
and uh, Sean McDonough as well uh, because they were in with us a few months ago and they were heading off on a major expedition to Aconcagua. Did I get that right, Jens? Did I? You did, yeah. I mean, they're getting good. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting good. Practice, so, um, practice now, makes perfect. Sorry, now, the, uh, where exactly is Aconcagua? Um, Aconcagua is, uh, firstly, it's one of the seven summits, the famous seven summits, uh, Keith. It's the second highest one. The only one higher is actually Everest itself. So it is in the Andes um, in Argentina. So that's where we were. Uh, it's 7,000 metres, so it's a, it's a high altitude climb. Um, for people who set out to summit, only about 30% are successful. So we're lucky enough that we've joined that club of wow. 30%. Yeah. And you were just saying to me while we were talking there that you, you got down, you got up and down alive, thank God, but um, it was... Uh those four people died while you were there? Uh, that's true, yeah. Well, we were we were the good to three weeks on the mountain and, and uh, four people actually died. The fifth person has died since we came home. He was hospitalised, but he didn't survive. So it was a mixture of accidents, altitude sickness, and I think there might have been a coronary issue as well in one of them. So that is the seriousness of, of high altitude climbing and it, it brought it home to us, I suppose, how dangerous it is to go into these high mountains. Yeah, but you're still you're going to keep going though, are you? Well, I won't be answering that question officially yet today, no. You better ask Sean, because we usually make these decisions for the next mountains when we've had a lot of whiskey on board down in Canvara. When Sean comes to visit me, that's when we make these crazy decisions. But at the moment, Keith, we're recovering and glad that we were able to, to summit. Sean, talk to me a little bit, because it's your father, father and son effort, and you survived. We did. Yeah. <laughs> you look yeah. as surprised as I do, but anyway, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, when you start to hear stories like that, the, the guides won't tell you too much while you're up there, but the minute you start to descend, you hear all the horror stories that were going on around you that you didn't know anything about. Mm. So we were, we were very lucky. We had a good, good, strong team and great weather, except for the last two hours in the summit day, a bit of snow and... The rest was fine, thankfully. And you, are you very fit then, like Dad? I wouldn't be as fit as him, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nowhere near. Did you do I, I don't put the time or the effort into it. <laughs> well, you're young. You're <laughs> trying to put food on the table, of course, there. Um, but, I mean, did you train much for it before you went? I did. Well, I suppose a lad asked me that the last day, and I didn't feel like I had. But then I have been training since 2018 or 2017, since we started uh, climbing first. We did Everest Base Camp, so that mm. was the first trek. And every year since, I've been training through throughout the year. If you know what I mean, doing doing different uh, different mountains or walking locally and stuff. So are you bitten by it? Then are you taken in by it? It is. Yeah, it it, it captures you. <laughs> so you'll be doing another summit, but he doesn't know where he's going. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be up at seven or eight thousand meters again, but I'll, I'll definitely go into the top of a few mountains, whether it's locally or, or abroad. I'd, I'll definitely keep going, yeah. And did you do it for the challenge, for charity, for motivation? Uh, this time, really, uh, Keith, the last time we were in, I think we were doing Kilimanjaro, which is another one of the seven summits, but uh, we did that for, for charity at the time. And um, this one, no, we didn't. Um, Unfortunately, the higher you go, the more expensive it gets. So we didn't actually, we, we put money together ourselves. I'm lucky enough, I get a bit of sponsorship. Uh, it was different for Sean. And I might point out as well, actually, that there was a third Connemara man with us, a man by the name of Mike O'Kane from Cornamona. 
Um, and he had tried to summit this mountain in 2005, 18 years ago, and he wasn't successful. But he was successful this time with us, which is a lovely story in itself. Wow. You know, He was very emotional on the top. Uh, Sean and myself had a little moment as well, but for my coach, it was a huge achievement to come back 18 years later and climb that mountain. But you must have, are you the first father and son? Uh, well, we, we haven't heard of another father and son, and the guides did say to us it was very unusual. Firstly, that you know, we'd want to do the same thing together. And secondly, more importantly, that both of us were fit enough and, yeah. and able enough to do it. So it was nice, really. Like the way, It wasn't that Sean ever said anything to me in the three weeks we were out there, but I always felt he had, <laughs> he had my back. <laughs> <laughs> so was there picture and no sound from... At times. Ah, no, the, we shared a tent and when you're sharing a nine foot tent up on these high mountains for nearly three weeks, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be left outside the tent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, putting it like that, uh, I always felt that he had my back, he made sure I had water if I was carrying heavy, he offered to take some of the stuff off me and he always seemed to be there whenever I looked around even giving me the nod. Um, I don't know if I was kind of uh, as as strong maybe for him as he, he was for me and he was very helpful to the whole team, really, Sean. And the guys were amazed at his strength, actually. How many of you went, Sean? Or went to those the three of yourselves? And there was seven altogether in the group. Wow. Yeah, and then we had uh, two guides mainly with us, and we had a third guide then for the for the as you go into the higher altitude from the first base camp up. Yeah. And did you know the the other? We know we didn't know. We, Michael was the only one that we got to know here in Ireland before we went, and then we met four more over there. And was it a case of carrying anybody, or were you all equally fit to go? Everybody was equally fit, really, yeah. We, just some people had struggled more on certain days, whether it was the altitude, or you mightn't have slept, or you mightn't have eaten, or you just you couldn't muster the strength maybe on one day that you would another day. So someone would always kind of have your back, whether it was to get a bit of a joke and a laugh going and kind of just change the mindset a small bit, get, you, get the f- first yeah. few steps in, and the rest kind of <laughs> dissipates into the background then. Yeah, because I mean, altitude, say, I said it the last time you were in, uh, altitude sickness is a killer, so it is in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no way around altitude No, sickness. there isn't. You can't train for it and you can't change it. No. If, you, if you get it, that's it, your trip is over. And yeah, and it's different as well, Keith, from that perspective. I get asked a lot about how would I compare it to some of the cycling events I've done, which would be endurance events cycling across America or whatever. And really, you can't go out in the street and talk to anyone. Uh, have you survived at 5,500 metres that high camp and have you gone higher and how did your body cope and what worked and what didn't because there's so few people who get to that level so from that perspective you're kind of going into the unknown a bit you prepare yourself as best you can but Sean and myself have, have, have been interviewed a few times since we came back and we both strongly agree that an awful lot of it comes down to your mindset you can prepare as best you can, but when difficulties start to come, when you're not sleeping, there's health issues, there's dangers, you're afraid um, of what you're eating, you're afraid of twisting your ankle, you're constantly stressed, and it's overcoming that and being still able to push on. That's, that's the secret of being successful, really. So why do you do it? I'm looking I'd at you now. I'll ask Sean directly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, it's, if, it's, if, if it brings all that stress on the body, I don't know what age you are now, Renton, but I wouldn't say we're too far apart, but why do it then? Uh, well, Santa Claus was coming to Carrow in the early 60s to me anyway. Uh, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, well, he came to me in the early 60s as well. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, he started knocking at 62, but we'll see from there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would be, um, I'd be very interested in a challenge. And I'd be very interesting in the work it takes to prepare yourself. 
Mm. I know from what I've done up to now in my life that I do have a, a strong mindset when it comes to preparing for these endurance events, as I have found that I had in life in general, when life threw problems at me as well. And as I do on a daily basis with, with clients and that, I maintain that your mindset is so important. It doesn't matter what challenge, whether it's a career challenge, whether it's a, a relationship challenge, or whether it's something that you'd like to do as regards uh, challenging yourself from a sporting perspective. So I like a challenge. Obviously you do, but you I could ask you to do 100 press-ups there and that would be a challenge <laughs> so I'd put right now as well. Um, and Sean, do you have the same, do you have the same goal when you as dad? Uh, not not training-wise, no. <laughs> no, but determination. I would, uh, I mean, uh, pro- yeah, I, I would, yeah. So you, you're very driven. Uh, when, when yeah, if I get something in my head, there's, yeah, going to talk no me out of it. You. No, no. Yeah. You, you, it's the it's what's going to get you up there at the end of the day anything you you try and achieve if the head isn't there, already there the body isn't going to follow it mm. that's what I found anyways. so the gene has kind of so, something has something has filtered down yeah, something, gene <laughs> in, in, in a different way for sure but it's the, the, whether it's a, the Connemara man thickness coming out in me or <laughs> <laughs> we haven't I haven't deciphered that one yet I wouldn't call it Connemara <laughs> thickness coming up but do you know, the, the Connemara people are very determined, but they had to be you very had to determined. be, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's okay, we can sit here, but if you go back um, to Mortinog, if you go back to your parents, I know we spoke about them before, uh, many years ago, you go back to their time, it was tough going, so it was. Uh, well, it was indeed, yeah. Well, my father died at 37, it was tumour on the brain, I was only eight, but my mother, she's probably listened to this now, Keith, and she'd kill me, but she's well into her 80s now, but she's a very determined woman in her own way, and she's had to but deal with a lot of adversity, though. yeah. She, she had to be. She had to be. Losing yeah. her husband yeah. at 37, yeah. you went through what you went through, she yeah. went through. Yeah. And, like and she remarried again, and she lost her second husband as well. Did so, she? Yeah, yeah, she did, so she's, there's a toughness, there's a seediness where, where there. Where is she yeah. today? Uh, she's at home in Carraro. Uh, she's uh, O'Shea originally, the pub in Carraro, the oh. O'Shea's, she'd have come out yeah. of there, so there's there's Kerry blood in us as well, whether we like it or not. <laughs> but I mean, it's the determination that she had to fight for it. Yeah, and the resiliency. Uh, it is really yeah. the resilience, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's, 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 but it's obviously coming out very much um, <laughs> in, in both of you from there. Okay, that's, that's cut to the chase now, because mom was listening to us in her in her youthful Carraro state. Um, where are you going next, Martin Oak? Um, there's a couple I'm of things I'm not looking at you I'm looking down at the screen here I don't want to look you in the eye Yeah, uh, there's a couple <laughs> of things obviously when you go uh, when you go higher there's always like people are listening to this and it probably like uh, Aquan Cago is probably trending around the place for the last couple of weeks since we came back people have figured out it's in the Andes people have figured out it's the second highest mountain uh, of the seven summits it's the highest in the world outside of the Himalayas so it is a serious mountain to climb and usually people who are successful go on to try and go higher so we look at that probably when the dust settles we'll see maybe what we might like to do next would that be a two year project then? Uh, it would be really yeah well unless there's some big sponsor out there who'd love to sponsor a father and son team Keith <laughs> then we might look at doing it sooner but when you do come back it takes a while to recover uh, fully does, yeah. and to prepare yourself again and then to be fair to the people at home my mother partners uh, family members and that when we were away on those mountains like a lot of the time there's no communication I do my best with through Mind Over Mountains to put up photographs and tell people of our progress and everything and sometimes like there's no you can't communicate and it's yeah. really difficult for people at home they don't know what's happening and then if some of these stories about people dying in the mountain are coming back everybody's so worried so you have to consider them as well you know that's another consideration we have to take in not, not Sean but maybe they enjoyed the peace from your marching all together <laughs>
And never thought about that. <laughs> Your mother said, thanks, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. He's gone again. At least I don't have to worry about him. And, and, and someone else has to worry about you. See, that's, that's, that's it. That's it from there. So it's, yeah, the other point of view. Yeah, sorry, Martin. Okay, I shouldn't have said that about you, but it's from Sean, definitely. You're flipping gone, so you're... Um, just, how much would it cost to do the next summit? Uh, a generous sponsor out there. Depending on which one it is. Roughly, would it be, would it be about 10 or 15 grand each? <laughs> Much more than that. Would it? Yeah, be? when you start to go into the 8,000 metres, yeah, it's it's serious stuff. Like Everest Everest starts at around 45, 50,000 euro. Wow. That's, that's your starting point. That's bare yeah. minimum to get you there, yeah. And then there's the training and the going into it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the gear. <laughs> and the, I suppose the gear has to go uh-huh. into it as well. I think it's a documentary. Have you done any documentaries yet? No, not yet. Uh, ironically <laughs> enough, uh, we haven't. And, and um, Akron Kaga would have been a brilliant documentary, especially for the likes of TGCAR, because the three of us were Irish speakers. And I, I, I know something that was trending while we were away, or was when we came back, was Br- um, Brendan Gleeson and Paul Meskell, and they all speak in Asgraelge. So we, we spoke plenty of Irish on the top of one of the highest mountains in the world when we got to the summit between Michael and, and the two of ourselves. And it was nice, actually. And we conversed a lot, Asgraelge, um, whether we we were talking about people or t- yeah. <laughs> whatever but it was nice and we did and, and we were very proud of that fact so. wouldn't, wouldn't you die a death well, forgive me I shouldn't say that on the mountain wouldn't <laughs> you be surprised if one of the other four started answering yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think there's a message here as well maybe Keith for people listening to the programme today who, do you know who might be considering a challenge in their lives whether it's changing careers or whatever it is or maybe doing some sort of a sporting challenge that you know with the right mindset you can put in the preparation and you can be successful but you can do anything you want once you, once the mindset is right exactly and I like I bring it from one angle as you said and and, and the the age I'm at at the moment but like Sean is a young man now and, and, and a fit man and like he gets a great buzz out of doing some of these challenges as well so if they go to mind over mountains that's the best place to find you Sean what do you do in life can I ask you me um, in construction landscaping groundworks good on you yeah so it's physical as well physical yeah so that's that's another another form of training for sure it is yeah but they have to, you have to put food on the table. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't say you'd be relying on him for food now. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Whiskey and Canvara. <laughs> That's about it, yeah. 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 And I usually have to bring the bottle myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know now what? We get a voucher for you. So we'll voucher for one from Mike Burke in the beer head. Mike won't see you hungry when you go there and no, uh, we get sure. someone else to sponsor the whiskey and <laughs> you can get your own sponsorship for the next one so you can. Uh, guys, thanks indeed for joining us. Uh, to Martin Og, McDonough, Sean McDonough. Uh, thank you for joining us. Regards to Mom and Carol Rowe and all that went with it and thanks indeed for joining us uh, today. So if they want to get further details, if they just go to Mind Over Mountains. That's it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he agrees yeah. with me, which yeah. bothers yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> He's a changed man since he came down. <laughs> oh, that, that, look, a fortnight, that'll Soft, be gone. Yeah. Softened him, yeah. <laughs> Lance, thanks to for joining us. Uh, Martin you know, McDonough, Sean McDonough, uh, uh, father and son uh, team. I'd say myself and my wonderful son would get as far as the airport uh, before the first row. So how he did it, I don't know. And we do get on very well. Certainly wouldn't go summiting mountains, I would think. 11.41, we're back. We have a lovely story about a man who's come back to Galway, having spent a life working with the stars. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. 
Now, very good morning to you. A celebrity stylist has moved back to Ireland after 33 years of cutting hair in America. Zach Jenkinson um, has the face of Galway in Galway and he's based uh, down the West, as we call it. Uh, but he sits off to me. Zach, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Keith. Thanks nice to meet you. Us, uh, today. Um, you were a stylist and you travelled a, a lot. Yes. Uh, well, I trained in Dublin uh, and then I moved to America in 1989. And uh, I got a job there. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't sure where to go, New York or L.A., but I flipped a coin, ended up in L.A., which is kind of what they call La La Land, mm. land of dreams and, and um, opportunity. And, uh, yeah, it panned out for me. And, yeah, so and I got a job there when, two what, weeks after I landed. What was that like? You were a lot younger then, I would think. You know, yeah, yeah, I was 19. And, you know, I think at the time I was watching Chips and Baywatch and <laughs> California sounded good yeah. and uh, yeah I landed there and uh, yeah I got a job and I met a girl fell in love had a baby then another then we opened the salon together and then two others and then uh, just because of the location um, it was Venice Beach you know a lot of actors would just roll in Wow! and uh, you wouldn't know who they are like you know be like, oh, did I cut your hair before? And then you realise it's Michael Sheen. He just won an Oscar. You know, like <laughs> was it? Was it? A, it, uh, it sounds like a lovely life. Uh, I'm sure it's an, it was an expensive place to live as well. But it was. Um, did you pinch yourself at times? All the time, all the time. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it just went from you know doing a few actors, and then I started meeting some girls uh, in A and R for Capitol Records, and and. Um, um, Warner Brothers music and then you know they would introduce me to bands like or new acts like Michael Bublé and you know a bunch of others and then that led into another ones and then and then once I kind of proved myself then they were like hey Coldplay's coming into town do you want to go to New York with them next week or you know uh, Fleetwood Max recording up in Sunset Boulevard do you want to uh, hang out and what would you do then when you would go with them would you be there Groomer, like yeah, Groomer, like a kind of a man's man, like just take care of them. If not, it's not just hair and everything, everything you talk. Well, no, there's usually a wardrobe department, you know, and then you'd be the groomer. You, you would just make sure, like, especially if there's camera time, that you know there's no blemishes and the hair's looking on point and stuff like that. It's pretty easy work because a lot of the a lot of the bands I work with were guys because yeah. uh, I just I get along with dudes and. Uh, you know, in in the three salons, most of my uh, clientele were women. You know, but mm. uh, worked both ways. So, when you got that invitation to go with Coldplay, did you go? Of course, yeah. And can you charge good money for that? Oh, you get yeah, you get a day rate. You get like kind of mad money. You know, it's, really? Yeah. Should really? I say no? Oh, go on for the crack of it. Well, you know, just one day rate. Uh, twenty five hundred for the day. Yeah. I'd go too if I got. <laughs> I'd go if I got the two fifty. If they got, if I got the twenty five to see Coldplay, I'd go. Never mind. But that. So there is money to be made when you when you make a name for yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's people over there just focusing on that. You know, they they do film work and um, you know commercials and stuff. I kind of just fell into it. It's very organic. You know, I end up working with you too. Uh, on the, for, for like three years just because one of my clients was walking down the street and a lady tapped her on the shoulder and said hey who did your hair and she's like oh some Irish get down the, down the road you know and mm. she came in I was, conversations came up I said I, I work with Coplay she's like oh I work with you too Bono and stuff and I was like oh wow real band mm. you know yeah. <laughs> 
And then two weeks later, I got a call and said, uh, hey, a couple of lads want haircuts in Malibu. I was like, get out of here. I thought it was one of my staff, like... Uh, Winding up. Yeah, there. gag, like. And I went up there and met the four of them, nicest guys in the world. We hit it off, you know, they're from the north side. I'm from Ashburn, which is another 10 miles north yeah, of Finglas, yeah. like. And uh, broke the ice. And a week later, we were doing the cover of Time magazine. And then uh, a week after that, Bono just says, hey, do you want to get on the plane? And... You travelled with them? Three years, yeah. Wow. I travel with them sometimes, and then uh, other times I'd, I'd meet them. I'd go meet them every uh, three, four weeks, you know, uh, whether just it's France do, or Berlin. Just to do their hair and... Well, you know, they are the biggest band in the world, and they have a certain look, and we call it in America our presidential trim, you know, so your hair's not getting too long or too short. You have, you know, you have a vibe, and you're just maintaining that vibe, you know, like uh, a normal person would. And what was that like? I mean, they had their own gestures of theirs. What was that like? Oh, they've, you know, yeah. Palatial. Yeah, that's the pinnacle of, you know, like, like I reached the top there for sure, you know. And mm. then not only are they the nicest chaps you'd ever meet, uh, but they're also like larger than life at the same time, you know. It's Good like fun. Great fun. You know, they'd ask you about your wife or your kids and, uh, you know, my son's a surfer up in Malibu and they're like, hey, how's Henry doing? And I'd be like, how the hell did he even remember Henry's name? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But like, just mind mind blowing, you know, and then you're on a plane and there's a box of uh, Barry's tea there and, uh, you know, and it's just like, they're so Irish and they're so brilliant and the whole crew's Irish actually, wow. pretty much. Yeah, really? I'd really? say 90%. And d did any of that go to your head? Uh, sometimes uh, you'd get, you'd, you know, fly back from Berlin after an after party and a great concert and I'd be in LA and um, wow, did that just happen? Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, I'd go down to my local and have a couple of powers. And, uh, and just again, to straighten up again. Just uh, come back down to earth, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can understand how, uh, you know, they say artists keep going and doing things after gigs because they keep the buzz going, you know. But sure, trickles down all the way down to the hairdresser, you know, like... Yeah standing in front of them and you're three feet like close as you mm -hmm. uh, from the stage and you're looking up and you're going my god I can't believe I'm working I'm with here. these lads yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here Less, like after 33 years so you're still a young man after 33 years what made you decide to come home and come come back to Ireland and come to Galway well Galway's always been my favourite place I bought three houses here over the years really yeah little Thatch Cottage out in Hedford another little place over closer to Tume and now I've got a, a house over uh, by Nakma which is in between Hedford and Tume mm. and I just I was just drawn to it always my mum and dad brought me here when I was a kid you know like and um, have you maintained the three housings? Uh, I've only one left now one left so yeah it's a nice old big house on a few acres out there and okay. so um, <clears throat> but uh, the reason I came back was because um I've, I have been gone 33 years, and mm -hmm. now I'm 53. And um, COVID kind of did a number on the salons over there a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, as it did from 50% of salons in Los Angeles. And um, I kind of felt like I was kind of needed to restart. So the decision was to do it there again or do it here. And, uh, you know, my mom and dad are running around live and kicking. But as we all know, you know, no one lasts forever. Mm. And I think it's time to hang out with mum and dad and my siblings, you know, I've got f four siblings, there's five of us. And what was it like, though, to turn your back on LA? Was it before or after COVID you, you did that? Just after, yeah. Just after, so you lived through COVID in LA? 
Oh yeah, I was I was keep, keeping the salons going, hanging on like a cat in a curtain or side of a couch. Yeah, and uh, just you know high rents, main street prices, and I ended up losing a lot of staff. You know, they started doing house calls and and getting unemployment. So it was hard to get people to come back to work. Kind of changed the business model a lot. And then from there you came and you've set up then in Galway, have you? You've set up. No, no. This is a, a chap's name called Ronan. He owns the face. The face. The face. The face. Yeah. The face Galway. Lovely little salon, a few chaps in there, and, and uh, um, down, I, down the west, so below the west end. It's as you go it's across from Ernie's shop. You know Ernie's. I know why wouldn't I know Ernie? The, yeah, le- the legend doesn't. that is Ernie. The legend. Yeah. Well, you're a legend as well. I'm. T- I'm going to follow in your, you and Ernie's footsteps down the west end. <laughs> I'm trying to be a legend myself. A, a, a legend uh, down there. And did you leave the family? Oh, your son that you spoke about, Malibu. Did you leave all those in America? Yeah. I mean, they're just, I'm back a few months and uh, I want to, you know, give it a go here. Mm. And, um, um, you know, I've got miles for the rest of my life <laughs> from traveling the, uh, like that for three years. So I can see my daughter. My daughter's coming out next month. She's 29, just engaged. And um, Henry's coming out. Uh, he wants to surf Sligo. And um, yeah. Mm. So, uh, What's it like to starting all over again? It's it's strange, you know, I've been my own boss for 30 years, you know, I opened the salon when Emma was born, so that was 29 years, and now, you know, I'm asking, knocking on doors and asking for jobs, but it's like, uh, you know, I came from nothing, and I went to the top, and I'm not saying I'm at nothing again, but it's just different, and I'm ready for it, you know? Are you financially okay, or do you have to work still? Oh, no, I'm financially, well, a bit of both, you know what I mean? Uh, you know? Yeah. You know, you got demented if you weren't working anyway. You know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's only so many bottles of whiskey you can get down here. You know? Yeah, well, and, and that's not good to you either. No, no, I'm only messing there. But like, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, no, it's good to be busy. And it's, I'm dying to meet uh, all the Galway people. And I did it before, uh, about 10, 15 years ago. I came back here for a year when I was messing around with the houses, yeah. you know, buying and selling and renovating. So uh, I worked in a salon then off uh, Shop Street, and it was great. You know, mm. I met Tommy Tiernan and his wife and a bunch of other people, and it was I was here for nearly two years with the oh. kids, and they went to school here. And Get away. Yeah. What was, that salon, what was that salon called? The Hut. Oh, I remember The Hut. There's yeah. a fella, Matt, Matt Hatter, called Trevor in there. He yeah. was a lovely, lovely man. Lovely guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, so, wow, wow. So this is my second, this is my second uh, not attempt, I'd say second... Lash at it, you know. You're going back a while now because my wife used to go to the host Trevor in the yeah, It was like down uh, Main Guard Street beside Collins Butchers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Two thousand nine, two thousand eight. I was there. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And that's oh. when I, yeah, it was great. That was great fun. And do yeah. you do you, do you miss that that showbiz lifestyle? Or are you happy just being Zach? Oh uh, well, I'm happy being Zach. And uh, but if Bono called me tomorrow and said, "Hey, you want to get on the plane? <laughs> I'll be gone," you know, and yeah. do the back and forth again, you know, uh, for sure. I mean, it's just you know, you get these opportunities. And that's what America is. They say, if opportunity knocks, be ready. Yeah. And if you walk out that door, just follow through. And it's 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 it happened, and it's, it's great. Yeah. And you know, no matter what uh, what you've done or where you're going and where you come from. Um, What's ahead? It's just exciting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it on the chin. Like uh, it is. No, I wouldn't have experienced that anything at all like that. But I mean, I've done a lot of crazy things in life and travelled a lot and all that type of stuff. And then there comes a point where you say to yourself, "Do you know what? 
I just want, I want to stay at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go home and I want to stay at home and I don't want to travel for a while. Yeah. Uh, I can go back 10, 15 years now. Right. But I just there comes a point that you have, you have to be happy in your skin that you just want to stay at home. Oh, yeah. No, I'm well able now for that, you know. There was times there at the end of the tour, 2019, you know, I'd... I'd flown to Australia, Sydney, and then I came back for to LA for a few days, then went to New Zealand, came back for a few days, then went to South Korea, and physically it's like, it's you know, yeah, it could do you in, and yeah. it, it did, um, vision was going blurry and all sorts, yeah. and then, so it's good to be home. How can they get in contact with you, Zach Jensen? Jenkinson, and Jenkinson, it's uh, excuse me. the Hut Galway. The Hut Galway. Oh no, no it's not. It's oh, no, the face go away. I'm confused there. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's the, uh, the face, face go away down on the West End on Sea uh, Road. Now, if they want to get further details, the face go away. You see, that's a that's a senior movement you are after having. I have, yeah, there you I go. Have one of those everything. It's, and uh, thank you for joining it's us. First time fitting. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> Zach Jenkinson. Thanks, you. thanks for joining us from the face go away. Uh, we're back with you tomorrow morning live from Studio One, and we're looking at a number of issues uh, tomorrow morning. On tomorrow morning's program, we'll be uh, let me go just up to here. Uh, we'll be looking at the Novena Further Education Open Day at Galway Community College. Uh, we have a charity concert in Aidan Galway. Simon taking place on Saturday and the Sock Debs uh, Dems have announced a new replacement for Galway City Council we'll be speaking with him as well as Invisible Threads uh, a book indeed by Marguerite uh, from East Galway will be joining us uh, John Morley produced today and Siobhan took your comments and we'll be joining you live from Studio One tomorrow morning have a good and a safe Thursday bye bye now Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.